Chapter Seven of Cross Currents. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Craster. All Houghtonsville was interested in the new doctor, and all Houghtonsville liked his appearance. The old men saw his square jaw, noted his steady hand and eye, and said that he was skillful. The young men met the genial smile and strong hand-clasp, and said that he was a good fellow. The old woman watched his quiet strength and ease of manner, and said that he was sympathetic. The young women noted his breadth of shoulder and length of limb, and said nothing. But they smiled into his eyes, and made him frankly welcome. Almost immediately, after Dr. Spencer's arrival, the old physician, Dr. Kent, whose assistant he had come to be, met with a severe accident. And all through the long weeks of the old man's slow convalescence, the young man found the love and allegiance that had been given to the elder physician extended as by common consent to himself. It touched him profoundly, and already the clasp of his hand carried something of the spirit of possession. These are my people, it seemed to say. Dr. Spencer had been two months in Houghtonsville when there came the summons to go to the old Kendall Place, the great house of the town. "'Ever been thar?' asked old Nathan, as they drove down the wide elm-bordered street. Nathan had held the reins over the old doctor's horses for nearly forty years, and he, as well as the love and allegiance, had fallen to the lot of the younger physician. Indeed, Houghtonsville would scarcely have recognized the doctor as a man of healing at all, had not old Nathan brought him. "'No, I've never been there,' returned the doctor. "'Hm. Fine place.' So I judge from the outside. Silence reigned for a minute, but as the doctor well knew, it would not rain for long. At first he had tried to check Nathan's somewhat garrulous tongue, but he soon found that that very tongue was of valuable assistance to him in making his diagnoses. What he learned about the patient on the way frequently made wonderfully clear what he learned from the patient after he arrived. As he suspected in this particular case, he had not a long to wait. "'She's a widow, Miss Kendall is,' observed Nathan musingly. "'Yes?' Mm. "'Husband been dead, let's see, two, six years. It's been more'n two years, you know, since the little gal was lost.' "'You knew about that, I suppose.' "'Lost? Little girl?' There was interest in the doctor's voice, and old Nathan settled back in his seat with a sigh of content. Yes, twas in New York. She left a little thing in the depot while she went out on a errand. She got knocked down in the street and was sick for most three or four months, I guess. When she come back, course the little gal wasn't there, and she hain't seen hide nor hair of her since. The poor woman, exclaimed the physician under his breath. I wonder she kept her reason. Some say she ain't. Ever seen her? No, not that I know of. Mm. You'd know it all right if you had. There ain't two round here that looks like her. For that matter, there ain't many that has seen her lately. When she come back that first time from New York, she shut herself right up in that house and ain't hardly stirred out of it since. 
except to go to New York. She goes dar two or three times a year, and they do say she goes to that depot and sets in that seat while she left the little gal and sets and sets and sets there with her eyes on the door. Kind of odd now, ain't it? Do you suppose she expects that child to come back after all this time? I don't know, Nathan, said the other gravely. Then he asked, But does she live alone? Isn't there someone, anyone that she loves? There don't seem to be, doctor, returned Nathan, flicking off a fly with the left rein. There ain't nobody in the house but old Tim Barrett and his wife, and they do all that's done, both outside and in. She must have been powerfully sick to send me. They hain't let a soul get further in that little room of the hall that they call a reception room for years. There was a time when folks called and tried to show their sympathy and be sociable. But land sakes, they don't do that no more. The only one they ever see was old Miss Barrett, and she always said the same thing until they learned it by heart. My mistress is indisposed and begs to be excused. Of course, thou war no getting very sociable on that. How she must have suffered, poor thing. Yes, ain't it too bad, retorted Nathan. They do say as how there's a room that Yester belonged to the little gal, and that was all full of her things, and that now they're as exactly as they was left years ago, and that the door ain't never shut. You see, they won't hoe much the last year. Miss Kendall, she got restless, and they was cutting off here and thar and everywhere. The last time they left the house together, they went kind of sudden, so the story goes and the little gal's playthings were scattered round, and nobody stopped to pick em up. And Miss Kendall went right off and closed the house. When she come back, twas after the whole thing had happened, and she looked like a shadow. Well, she went into the house, and dar was them things, and dar they've been ever since, and here we be ourselves. He finished cheerfully as he drew up before the huge stone lions on either side of the steps at Five Oaks. A grey-haired, bent old woman answered the doctor's ring. "'Come in, sir, come in,' she half whispered, and the doctor noticed that she shook as if frightened. "'You sent for me?' he asked gently. "'Yes, doctor,' and this time the old woman's teeth fairly chattered. "'It's my mistress, sir. She's not well.' I would have sent for you before, but she wouldn't let me. And now? She don't know, sir. She's not right in her head, faltered the old woman. I made bold myself to send for you. You did quite right, said the man gravely. Where is she? This way, sir. Come, replied the woman, leading the way through the hall and stairs. The house had the chill and cheerlessness of a tomb. Everywhere were closed doors and drawn shades. Everywhere, save at the turn of the hall upstairs. There a door was wide open, and showed the afternoon sun shining upon a little woolly dog in the middle of the floor. Very hurriedly, and with a furtive glance at her companion, the woman passed by this door. The next instant she had pushed open another door nearby, and had motioned him to enter. 
The sick room, too, was in the semi-twilight of drawn blinds, and for a moment the doctor could make nothing out distinctly. He crossed to the window, swung back the blinds, and turned towards the bed. Even the near-sighted old woman noticed his start of surprise. Amy Kendall had been nineteen when Margaret was born. She looked scarcely more than that now to the doctor, with her two heavy braids of golden hair trailing over her shoulders. But a nearer view of the wasted form, the thin cheeks and the drawn mouth told of the havoc that the last two years had wrought. She was looking straight into his eyes, and unconsciously the doctor shivered. Then he advanced to the bed, and laid cool, firm fingers on the slender wrist lying outside the coverlet. It was a hard fight and a long one, but in the end the doctor won. It took many a sleepless night, however, and many an anxious day, and the way by the room where the woolly dog in the sunshine became quite worn with the frequent passing of the doctor's feet. At last one day the blue eyes of the sick woman opened and turned upon him, rational, questioning, displeased. You are a physician. Yes, Mrs. Kendall, my name is Spencer. Who sent for you? Your faithful servant first. Afterwards I came of my own accord because it was necessary. But I forbade her to do it. And she obeyed. Until you were so ill, she had to call me. The golden head on the pillow stirred restlessly. She should not have done it even then. But, my dear Mrs. Kendall, you were desperately ill. You might have died. There was a slight pause. Then a low, distinct voice came from the bed. That is exactly why she should not have done it. I might have died. For the first shocked instant the young man made no reply. Then his lips parted, only to close again almost as quickly. The next moment his whole expression changed. "'If you will drink this now, Mrs. Kendall,' he said cheerily, "'then I'll be going.' Three minutes later he softly crossed the room and opened the hall door. End of chapter 7 Read for you by Chiquito Crasto, Birmingham, Alabama